Thanks for joining us today on the Jesus Famous Podcast, where we discuss ways in which we can see Jesus famous in our lives. Today we have a guest teacher in the studio discussing their message this past Sunday from Calvary, Monterey. Matt, so during your message, you talked about this Pilgrim's Progress illustrated book. Yeah. Is it, is it a kid's book? Are you, are you starting to read some like fan fiction of Pilgrim's <laughs> Progress or? It's a kid's version. So it's actually um, Little Pilgrim's Progress. Because the original Pilgrim's Progress, I mean, it gets it gets a little hairy and scary, and it's yeah. intense. Mm-hmm. Um, but this version, which to me is is just one of the best that I've seen, um, actually uh, dumbs down some of the language, simplifies mm-hmm. some of the story, and then also the illustrations are um, all the characters are animals, and so oh, it's a wow. little less like realistic to where it could yeah. maybe scare some little ones. So, wow. But we read it to um, both our eight year old and our three year old, and they they were into it. They really liked it. Huh, that's so cool. Yeah, I kind of prefer kids' books, anyways. Tell me about it. You know, seriously. <laughs> yeah, I, sometimes I just pictures. need to break one out. And yeah, my boys see me reading one, and they kind of question, "Dad, are you okay?" But you know, <laughs> they're just so good. They're so good. That's so cool. That's a great little uh, like parent tip right there to be able to sure. get um, one of these books that's a bit more mature maybe in kind of subject matter, yeah. but to be able to, um, I don't know, have it be more approachable for a kid. So if you're listening to this and you have kids, I mean, what a great find. I'm sure it's on Amazon or something. Yeah, maybe, it's on maybe, a, maybe we'll link it in the show notes. Sure. We actually also have a copy of it downstairs in Calvary Kids on our resource shelf if you want to oh, just kind of, you know, get your hands on it and kind of thumb cool. through it. That's great, man. Yeah. I loved that you brought up Pilgrim's Progress and talked about, you know, them going through the dungeon and getting out of the dungeon. And the thing that got them out was promises, right? Is that what you said? It was the, yeah, it was the, the key, key that called, is called promise. Yeah. The key of promise. And how good is it that God's word is just full of promise? It's good. It's true. I just loved that your message today was all about God's word and yeah. the truthfulness of it, the goodness of it, mm. that the word really leads us through our doubt, like you're saying, our unbelief is so encouraging. And it's fun to talk with you about this, Matt, because I know you're our kids pastor, yeah, our family pastor, but you're also a very fellow um, Bible nerd. And uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't think any one of us totally. would say that we're experts when it comes to the Bible, but we love the Bible. Yeah, It's good for us. We want to digest it and we want it to be a part of our lives. And so I was really glad that you talked about the Bible today, how mm. we can hold on to it. I, I wanted to talk through some of the kind of tips that you went through, the four things sure. that you spent some time on. But before that, um, I was curious, I wanted to ask you about apologetics, because I know for you, as long as I've known you, you've had a real heart for defending the faith yeah. and scripture. Can you talk to us just a little bit about your history with apologetics? What mm. got you interested in wanting to defend the faith and having a passion for that. Yeah, totally, man. Yeah. I, you know, it is a passion. And I was even thinking about this recently that I think for a while, I just thought that everybody shared that passion Mm -hmm. that, you know, um, that I share about apologetics, but I, I started seeing, um, that this was an area that God really had placed on my heart. And maybe Mm -hmm. this was an area that I could help be a blessing to other people too, in defending the faith. And I think for me, you know, probably started in high school where, um, as my faith was, was really, you know, becoming my own having grown up in a Christian home and, um, hearing different, 
I guess, questions, critiques mm-hmm. about Christianity. It caused me really to, um, one question, what I believed mm-hmm. is, is um, was it actually true? Um, but two, you know, if it was true, I want to let people know there's good answers. Yeah, totally. So there's something about finding a good answer to a problem that I just think mm-hmm. is so satisfying. <laughs> yeah. And how much more satisfying when it's actually an answer to a problem that could set, you know, someone um, free from... Mm-hmm doubt, discouragement, bondage, um, set free with eternal life through Christ, you know? So I think those things played into me just wanting to know more how to answer some of these objections. Evangelism was a big part of my kind of high school, um, experience where I would go uh, every Monday to a church near our city, uh, another church that would hold an evangelism class, and I'd be wow. trained in evangelism, and then we'd go out door-to-door evangelizing. Wow. And it was just kind of crazy. <laughs> and uh, we would do a, so cool. do a quick little questionnaire. It wasn't a survey, because surveys, you have to tally results. We were doing a questionnaire, which was just basically an excuse to have spiritual conversations with people. Mm. And, um, and it was a blast. I did that for two years, basically every Monday night. And so I think the evangelistic part of me um, allowed me to be exposed to some questions from skeptics and people that had obstacles to believing wow. in Jesus. And I think my heart for evangelism, for bringing the gospel to people, coupled with you know my desire to share the answers that, yeah. that could keep them from stumbling over Jesus or Christianity, I think those two things combined to, to make it something that I, I really found a passion in. Wow, that's so cool. I remember doing that kind of stuff in high school too. We'd go out to Cammy Row and Alvarado Street yes. and do the open air kind of like preaching, but also answering yeah. questions. And that was just so important for me and my faith. I hope that everybody gets a chance at some point in their life to open themselves up to other people's questions. Yeah. And have those conversations because your faith really meets, I don't know, it's, it's like the uh, rubber meets the road kind of moments a lot of times. Absolutely. And it's just so good to be able to have those conversations. So. So true. That's fun to hear that. That's part of your story. So in the message, uh, you had these four great tips that were so encouraging to me. Hmm. I've heard them talked about in different ways, but to hear you kind of succinctly lay them out in one sentence kind of points was crazy helpful. So I thought we could just go through these a little bit and um, just kind of talk about them. Yeah. Hopefully they're helpful for everybody else too. I hope so. Um, The first thing, you know, you're talking about approaching the Bible And the first tip was, um, it's important to understand that the Bible is a library of books, not just one book. Yeah. And uh, I think when you think about it, it's like, well, that makes sense. It is one book, but it's a collection. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us for a minute, though, about why it's important to understand that? Like, why would it be important for us to know that it's a library? Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, and these four tips, you know, I mentioned the book by Dan Kimball, um, How Not to Read the Bible, right. which has been just really, really solid read um, and encouraging to me. And, and these are the four tips that he gave. And yeah, that first one, the Bible is a library of books, not just one book. I think it really helps us appreciate um, the diversity and some of the complexity of the scriptures. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you yeah. know, we read books largely from beginning to end. Hmm. And, you know, for people that first come across the Bible, maybe they're in a hotel room somewhere and they, they pull out, you know, the Gideon Bible. Oftentimes they're going to start in Genesis 1-1. Right. It's, a, it's a good place to start. Um, once you get past Genesis 3, you know, you're, you're starting to 
um, get into some sections of scripture that might cause you to scratch your head a little yeah. bit and go, okay, what, what's going on here? Who are these people? How do I pronounce these names? Um, but then also some pretty gnarly stuff right out yeah. the gate, oh, right? Yeah. And, um, and we understand and appreciate that. But to know the, the form and the function of the scripture and that, you know, mm-hmm. these are books that are historical, a lot of historical books in the Old Testament, a lot of poetic books, um, prophecy, books of, of law. Um, it helps us know how to approach the scriptures in order to understand them. Yeah. And um, for me, you know, I think as I read through, and I, I, I love to, at the beginning of the year, read through the Old Testament and mm-hmm. kind of, I'm, I'm kind of going at like a, a Old Testament in two-year pace right now because cool. I like to supplement with some Gospels and yeah. uh, some Psalms and Proverbs. So I'm taking it a little bit slower. Um, you know, dad with two kids, you know, just uh, sometimes you get you get behind on that Old Testament reading plan or one one year reading plan and it, it gets uh, hard to catch up. So this is a good pace for me, but it's helpful for me to remember as I'm reading through Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, this is, this is narrative. This is historical narrative. Yeah. And it is talking about specific people that, that God was using at a specific time in history. And what that shows me is that um, there, I, I mentioned this in the sermon, there are going to be things that the Bible records that it's not necessarily recommending. Hmm. <laughs> you know, I think polygamy is the is one of the examples that we can look at where the Bible records a lot of the the heroes of the faith having multiple wives. And you can read that and go, well, I guess the Bible is approving right. of polygamy, of, of having multiple spouses. And yet you read through the scriptures and from Genesis, you know, two and three, we realize that, you know, God's intention for, for, for mankind, for, for flourishing is that one man, one woman in marriage, a covenant marriage um, relationship. And there's nowhere that, that God approves or even changes his mind. And the allowance that is given um, to some of these characters in the Old Testament um, is, is more in that realm of recording what they actually did. And, yeah. and the thing is, the Bible doesn't shy away from showing how disastrous it was oh, yeah. <laughs> time and time again. You know, these men that took multiple wives, it really got them in trouble. Yeah. And so the Bible records and almost in a way to show us, hey, this is outside of God's intent and mm-hmm. even God's plan, which is further reinforced in the New Testament. But then look at what happens when we go outside of God's plan. And yeah. so, so much of the Bible, I think, is, is showing us that. Mm. You had mentioned too, just about you know the the library kind of nature of it is that some books are like you're saying they're kind of like story narrative um, history. There's also, I mean, apocalyptic yeah. literature. There's poetic literature. Um, yeah. There's letters that are written from churches to churches That's and right. everything. And it's like, man, to know that there's different authors at different times in different places. It, um, I feel like it can actually almost feel a bit overwhelming, you know, yeah. you're like, yeah. Oh my gosh, like, where do I start? But to know that, um, God's word is a collection together and that there is purpose between every single book. That's right. And we'll get to it here in a little bit, but, um, that there's a, actually a centered theme yes. and direction towards it is just so good yeah. to know too. So yeah, it's great to know that it's a library of books, not just one book, not just one book. Um, yeah. But the second thing you mentioned is that it's so important to read the Bible in context. Yeah. And man, this is just so true, right? Because I can't tell you how many times when I was growing up, I would just be told, hey, you should read the Bible. Yeah. And so I would just kind of open it up 
and read a, a verse and <laughs> maybe it was encouraging, maybe it was confusing, yeah. but it was just kind of like, I don't know what to do with this thing, this Bible. And I don't, I don't know if I want to read a whole chapter or a few chapters because right. I'm just kind of lost a bit. So I wanted to ask you, you know, about reading the Bible in context, like, mm. are there any, um, make practices to reading in context? Like, do you recommend reading a certain amount of the Bible to get context? Mm. Do you recommend, um, doing online research before you read a, bi- a Bible book or how would you go about yeah. like reading something in context? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I heard one kind of fun way to, to think about it is to have what somebody called 2020 vision. Hmm. Um, and that's, uh, you read 20 verses before a verse, 20 verses hmm. after, and you can kind of get, you know, in that sense, uh, what's going on. If you, if you do decide to kind of parachute into a, a certain yeah. verse or a certain section of scripture. Yeah. I think, you know, the chapter delineations, verse delineations, we know those weren't originally hmm. in, um, the scriptures. Those are added in to make, um, I think public reading, uh, more accessible and easy and, and even private reading. Um, but you know, I think when it comes to really getting a context, there are some really helpful tools out there. That's, that's one thing that the internet has done is created so many study tools Hmm. that are just easily available and accessible and, um, you know, good books that can allow us to get kind of that, that, you know, um, 30,000 foot view of what is it that we are reading. In fact, in that book that I mentioned how uh, not to read the Bible by Dan Kimball, he's got, a great section where he, he breaks up the Bible, the whole grand story of the Bible oh, wow. into kind of six movements. And um, I found that to be really helpful. Uh, yeah, six movements. And I actually don't have those uh, offhand, but you can you can get his book and you yeah. can check that out. But, um, you know, things like that that are going to allow us to see, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in a book of prophecy. And so there's going to be a lot of things in here that I'll probably need to Look, look up, you know, maybe a David Guzik commentary online, which is a great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, you can even just Google David Guzik and then whatever chapter you're reading. And that will give you some helpful kind of backing. Mm-hmm. I think a study Bible is another tool that can be really helpful in, in gaining a fuller kind of context yeah. to Scripture. Um, I know when my wife first got saved, she had, I think it was the the New King James Study Bible. And it's just a Bible that has all, you know, regular scriptures and chapters and books and all, but it has just a little commentary, you know, at the yeah. bottom for every verse. And um, I find that I find that to be really helpful when mm-hmm. we're kind of going, okay, what's happening here? I, I know I probably should know, but I don't. Dude, um, yeah. And then, yeah, I think another maybe thing is uh, reading scripture in community, in a sense, where when we encounter things that, cause us to question or we don't really fully understand man to be able to talk to a trusted you know brother or sister in christ and and to be able to to be conversational about scripture mm-hmm. um to to have more of those conversations i think could be really wow. really edifying and really helpful that's so good i loved your point about a study bible too because it can be so easy to try to look up some resources and just kind of get again like me overwhelmed with all the different YouTube videos or the podcasts, yeah. but to be like, all right, here's my Bible with some good commentary in it. That really is so helpful. That's been helpful for me in my life too. Yeah. I just make a, <clears throat> excuse me, a mention to that. If you're listening to this, you're familiar with our pastor, Nate Holdridge at nateholdridge.com. He's got, I, I don't remember how many books he's preached and taught through, but yeah. so many, so, so many. Yeah. And a lot of those books that 
you kind of just need some extra help, like totally revelation or Genesis or some of the prophetic books that you're mentioning, you kind of need a little bit of help, you know? Yeah. So those messages and those articles are really helpful too, but good. Yeah. Reading the Bible in context, man, just crazy helpful. I loved your term. Don't parachute in because you might crash. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It can get bad Uh real quick. Totally. um, Read the Bible in context. Okay. This third one is something that I, I remember I first heard it and it rocked my world. The Bible is written for us, not to us. I always thought it was written to me. Yeah. And it makes it confusing when it's like that, you yeah, know, sure. because you start to think that some things that are kind of commanded maybe in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament that are just a little, you don't know how to receive it if you think it's coming straight for you. Yeah. But again, the Bible's a library of books when you can see that it's not written um, to you, but it's written for you. There are general truths and practices that are founded that are so helpful. Um, it's just a great way to read the Bible. But have you noticed in your life or um, as you talk with people about the Bible, any hangups that come up as people read the Bible like it's meant for them? And are, what are some of those things that we can mm. kind of avoid maybe as we're um, reading the Bible? Because it's so easy to be self-centered I hate to say it like this, but to be self-centered when we come to the Bible, like, what's it going to say for me? And what do I, what am I going to get from it? What's my nugget, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, do you find there's anything like that that can be a hang-up for us um, when we're reading the Bible? And if so, like, what do those things kind of look like? Yeah. No, that's a good question. I think, um, I think there's probably something that, that I've had to work through, and it's almost like a I, I kind of developed a muscle memory when I was reading the Bible and going, okay, what does this say to me or about me? And that I was kind of the primary lens yeah. that I was looking through. And I kind of talked about that a little bit. If we do that, we're really going to miss out on really the scope and vision of the Bible, which is telling us largely, you know, it's who is God and mm, yeah. what is his character? What has he done? What is he doing? And what has he invited us into? And um, so I think if we have kind of that man-centric kind of way of viewing the Bible, again, it's probably going to be faulty. We're going to start interpreting sections of Scripture maybe incorrectly. I mean, I I hate to pick on it, but but it's maybe an easy one to pick on. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11. And I was a youth pastor for years, so, you know, it's the youth pastor's favorite verse. You know, I know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. And um, it's such a powerful declaration from God. It really is. And I believe, I really believe there are applications for us today that we can grab from that statement that God is giving to the nation of Israel as they are going into exile. (laughs) And in a sense, saying it's going to be really hard. Like I'm kind of, I'm punishing you, you know, by raising up this other um, people, Babylon, to take you away from your home. But it's going to be okay because here are the thoughts I have towards you. And so even the context is not necessarily like, man, God, you, you want me to get that promotion. You know, you want me to succeed, you know, or whatever it is. It's like, Hey, when it's really gnarly, when it's really, when it seems like God has left you, he hasn't because he's a God who thinks good towards you. He thinks thoughts that are, you know, for your ultimate future, not necessarily the future that you want, but so I think, I think that's one example of, um, you know, written for us, but you know, that was a specific, you know, instruction to, um, to Israel. I think another is, is to just you know, we look at things and we, we may implant, or I kind of talked about, um, 
maybe kind of putting onto scripture our own um, assumptions, hmm. our own kind of um, biases a little bit. Yeah. You know, we read a verse like Romans eight twenty eight, for we know that God works all things together for good to them that love him, that are called according to his purpose. And, um, you know, if we're not careful, we can, we can look and we could even say like, hey, you know, I, I did this really terrible thing and I sinned in, in this way, but God's going to work it together for my good. And, and you're interpreting that one scripture to mean that, you know, God doesn't really care about sin. <laughs> it's kind of, he minimizes it because really what he's interested in is you being good, you know, you, you being set. And there is kind of this self-help way to read the Bible that I, I just think so drains it of its real power and its significance and its meaning and and it's really weak (laughs) so i want people to know um, more about the bible how to approach the bible so we can get man we can mine the gold and we can get the nuggets out of it that that it really is intended for i guess i'll say one more thing about the the bible was written for us but not to us um there's another way to to take this to a to another extreme that i think could be unhelpful i didn't necessarily talk about this but i'm glad you brought it up and that's to look at the Bible merely as a general book that, well, it wasn't written for us. So, right. so then again, we can pick and choose. And, um, you know, most of the prohibitions in the Bible are written to a group that, you know, um, was a specific time. And so I want us to be careful with that. And I tried to kind of tease that out by, by going through the different types of laws that God gave us in the civil ceremonial and, and moral. But, um, but so we want to avoid both of those extremes is what I'm saying. Yeah. I love that, man. That's so good. We're kind of wrapping around in the corner a little bit. <clears throat> yeah. This is one of my favorite points. And this is, this has helped me as I'm reading the Bible for myself, as I'm preaching the Bible, mm. um, as I come across questions, even about the validity of the Bible, which we haven't talked about, like the inerrancy or anything like that, but mm-hmm. um, this final point, the Bible all points to Jesus. Mm-hmm. This Christocentric, Christ-centered way of approaching the Bible. I know when I grew up reading the Bible, I didn't know that, and um, stories felt like a bit fragmented, yeah. you know? And it is kind of like, okay, how is this all working together, you know? And I don't remember who told me this. Um, I mean, you referenced John five thirty nine, yeah. where Jesus says, "This is all pointing to me," yeah. you know. But um, I remember hearing that and being like, "Oh, that makes so much mm-hmm. sense." It helps us really understand how to approach Scripture. And Nate's even—it's been so helpful for me as we've been talking about Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. The way he's been framing Nehemiah has yeah. just been so helpful and pointing it straight to Jesus. But. Um, when we're thinking about the Bible pointing to Jesus, how do we read these books in a way that does that? Um, do you have any kind of like, like like a lens to see through or like a framework to think about as we're yeah. approaching a book like Genesis or Daniel or something like that? How do you see Jesus or how do you see it pointing to Jesus um, throughout all of Scripture? Yeah. We need to develop an elaborate highlighter system for the Old Testament. No, I actually, I heard a guy talk about that and I was like, that is so cool. I wish, <laughs> I wish I was that dialed in. I mean, yeah. he had a highlighter for every promise. He had a highlighter oh, for every man. promise of prophecy, highlighter for every like law, every aspect of God's character. I mean, his Bible was just this rainbow, you know, as wow. you would look through it, which is such a cool idea. <laughs> but I mean, t- to not have to, to go to that I- extent maybe, but um, I think... To me, 
And and this is the question I get because I've taught yeah. about this before too. Is well, how? Why don't you show us how to do that? You know, kind of a thing. And I think some of it is if you have your destination locked in, <laughs> if you put in the GPS that man, I'm getting to Jesus, and I want to ultimately, you know, understand that that that's where this goes. I think you're going to just start reading scripture differently. And I think it's going to come about as you read through. And and I gave that example of the guy with the highlighter system, but you're going to start recognizing that, you know, in the Old Testament laws, you know, these, these ceremonial rituals, which we look at and go, okay, why were they having to kill that animal? Why were they having to clean that part of whatever it is? We look at those as not just like busy work that God was giving until we get to Jesus, you know? Yeah. But there's something in that that shows us how how serious God is about sin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that he would have his people do the things that he commanded them to do in order that, right? Because there's always a reason. God's not right. just giving us busy work. There's always a reason. In order that they could continue to know him and be in relationship with him because God is holy, and yet he wants to dwell with his people. And so the time and place that God chose to dwell with his people when he would tabernacle among them and they had the opportunity to be in his presence, you know, these are all things that, man, it's, it's just shows us the appreciation that we can have for <laughs> the cross, for Jesus, for the grace to come boldly to his throne of, uh, you know, of grace and receive help in time of need. And so, as I read the Old Testament, you know, yeah, there are times where it's like, okay, this, there's a lot happening here. There's a lot of to-dos and a lot of things, but I'm looking at it and trying to read it and, in a sense, gain a further appreciation for the gospel. That, man, Lord, th- this is how your people interacted with you mm-hmm. at one time in history, and now I get to see ahead to the cross and post the cross. I get to see the empty tomb, and now for me... <laughs> I get to come into his throne. I'm the body and I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. And wow, how beautiful it is that that God has led us to this point in time in history where we have this means of grace. And so I think it's just locking in that destination and then and then those signposts are gonna appear along the way. Of course, there's, you know, I, I don't think reading, you know, the Bible in a way that all points to Jesus is trying to find every every moment where Jesus shows up. Yeah. The Christophanies, or is this, you know, the the type of Christ? I think those things are great. I think David is a type of Christ, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph is a type of Christ. I, I love reading those characters that way. Um, yes, they're they're not Jesus. Jesus is the true and better David. Right. Joseph's the true and and, and better, um, or Jesus is the true and better Joseph. Um, so those things can be really helpful. But I think I think just approaching the Bible in that big picture way can really help us as we kind of go along. So how about you, Riley? I know that this is actually a point that um, I just really appreciated you sharing. Um, this was years ago. We, we did some different teachings for our staff, and I still remember the teaching you gave on uh, the inerrancy of Scripture. Mm. And you brought up this point. Yeah. And I remember there was a book, I think, called Unbreakable. Yes, that, you recommended um, that to me. Yeah. They, they, I think you recommended it to me, bro. <laughs> Man, look at this. You just, you won't even oh. take the recommend. You're like Wait, so self-effacing and like... Oh, others centered. Oh, geez. Yeah, but that's a good dude. book, I think, right? We could recommend that one to, oh, yeah. to our, our audience. It's short. Yeah. If you're it's a, short. 90 pages. If that. I yeah. Mean, a tiny little book. And it's totally. like the size of your phone. If you have a, well, my, I have a small phone, but if you have a. The like, font's really small then, huh? 
<laughs> you have one of the max iPhones or something. It's like that size. Um, I have a Nokia flip phone, so I don't. No, I'm good just kidding. For you off the grid. Yeah. But yes, bro. To your point, like this is so huge for mm. me because at the end of the day, like for me, when I think about the Bible, I think about my faith, and I think about all the different questions I that I have and that yeah. people have posed to me and my upbringing. At the end of the day, like it's just Jesus. Hmm. Like I'm wrapped up. This sounds like such a, I'm a worship leader. So it's like, I'm wrapped up in Jesus. You know, I love his style. I love his way of life, the way he treats people, Hmm. the sacrifice on the cross, the resurrection. I'm just like, bro, I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. Not to minimize the sovereignty and the majesty of who he is, but I'm just, I just am in love with Hmm. Jesus. And so I remember, you know, reading the, Beatitudes and everything, and just be like, oh my gosh, I'm in. And then reading Jesus and hearing how he brought the Bible into his mm, ministry. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I have to have like some, I gotta have a real understanding of this book because Jesus is about the book. Yes. And so for me, it just kind of starts with Jesus. It's so, it's so weird and it's kind of meta because the Bible tells me about Jesus, but Jesus tells me about the Bible. It's kind of like that. I think you actually may have said it today, but. When you read the Bible, it reads you. There's like this, yep. this relationship um, with Scripture. But yeah, when Jesus talks about the Bible and he quotes like kind of controversial passages, and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, if he says it, then I believe it. Yep. you know. So it's huge for me. Yeah, yeah I love this. Good. The Bible just points straight back. That's good um, to Jesus. Yeah, Matt, I was curious if we could just close up the conversation with um, mm-hmm. maybe an encouragement to people yeah. because. Because we haven't been encouraging them at this point. If you're still listening. (laughs) If you're still there. (laughs) But I I know, man, like, I've had my things with the Bible. And I know you probably have too. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on your level of handling the Bible and understanding it, you may be discouraged by it or confused by it or have some kind of hurt in the past with the way somebody used it towards you or something, you know, and... We've all got Bible baggage kind of a thing. Bible baggage, yes, dude. And I was wondering um, if you could just speak a word to that person maybe who's got that baggage. Mm -hmm. How would you encourage them to pick up their Bible, to trust it, and to live their life with the Bible? Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I think, you know, for me, much like you said, Riley, you know, there, there of course is there are questions and there are sections of scripture that, you know, I still know like, mm-hmm. Lord, this is in the word. I'm going to accept this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to receive this because I know who you are. I don't know why this happened. I don't know why you allowed this to happen. Even, you know, instructed that this would happen mm-hmm. speaking mainly of, you know, sections of the old Testament, but I've seen too much to, to say that that is, cause for me to discount or discredit the Bible. I think it's kind of like what I said, you know, and, and, and Nate even mentioned this last week where, you know, if the Bible is from God and not from man, wouldn't we have to assume that at some point it's going to offend every culture? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, if, if we're reading it and it's not offending us or kind of messing with us in mm-hmm. some way, then we're probably not reading it right. Yeah. And uh, I know for some people, the, the Bible is, it, it's, it's a hard book. 
and and much like the people in John six, it, this is a hard thing to accept. And that's why I think I, I really tried to show, you know, you can have those um, difficulties, and I I think even Jesus gave gave room for his disciples mm-hmm. to still not know all of the the ins and outs. And we, we find out later, you know, when Jesus rose, that, that they did not understand many of the things that Jesus was saying up until this point. And then it kind of made sense for them. And so I think there are those moments where I've been reading through, and, and if I confront a passage or a section that, man, for whatever reason, just is unsettling in some ways, I have to sit in that. And I want to actually kind of feel the weight of that and just go, Lord, what is, what is it that I'm feeling here? And what is it in this that makes me think that in some ways I know better about what should have been included or what shouldn't have been included? And so I got to be careful of my own arrogance in the, the whole thing. And that's where I feel we need to approach the word humbly. Yeah. And we just need to come with humility and just go, God, really reveal yourself to me. So that person that has challenges, you know, you're not going to want, you're not going to enjoy the word if you're not reading the word. <laughs> so. It's that whole thing. I think somebody said, um, the less you read the Bible, the less you want to read the Bible. Wow. So the more you read the Bible, and this has been so true of my life, you know, the more you read the Bible, the more you want to read the Bible. Um, man, because there's been so many times where I'm reading and I just, I, I, I sense the spirit illuminating something in my life or my heart. I, I sense Jesus, you know, not just on the page, but actually with me and actually his love washing over me. And those are the moments that I'm just reminded of yeah, like you said, Jesus, you know, you're it. Like, mm-hmm. to whom shall we go? Yeah, right. Um, and and that's that's the big the big thing that that I've kind of just been um, enjoying is just looking and going, Jesus. There there is no one like you. Like your words, your life, your love. Um, man, <laughs> if I if I was to walk away or try to discount the word, like I'm still left with the person of Jesus. And how do I explain? him you know it's um it's like charles templeton that that man that was billy graham's right hand guy and then had a deconversion experience and on his deathbed lee strobel interviewed him for his book case for faith and he asked charles templeton you know do you miss anything about your faith because he had walked away from christ you know at that point and he says yeah i miss jesus and that to me i mean that was so profound when i read that as an 18 19 year old because I thought, man, even for him, he couldn't deny that there was something yeah. so compelling and captivating about the person of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus is the word become flesh to dwell right. among us. And so he is the living word. And so discover discover him, discover Jesus. And I think the word and some of the, these other things, you're, you're going to see who he is. You're going to see his character. And we may not have all our answers until we won't, until glory. <laughs> but, uh, but man, just cling to him. Continue to, to cling to him and allow his word to do a work in your heart. We pray that today's discussion has blessed you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please like, subscribe, and share so we can continue to reach people and make Jesus famous in our lives and the lives around us. Until next time, God bless.